I'm going to do something slightly different for me. Usually I do what's called a topical sermon, which means that we talk about something in particular and we go through the Bible and we pull lots of different verses that talk about that topic. Today we're going to do an expository sermon, meaning we're going to go to a certain verse, a certain passage, and then we're just going to camp. And we're going to keep going from there. So we're going to go to John 5, and I'll reference a few other scriptures, but this is where we're going to be camped out. So if you brought your Bible, go there. If you usually can't keep up on your phone, you could keep up today because we're going to keep going back to John 5, John 5, John 5. So, John 5. Now, Daniel, I'm asking you to come and, and help illustrate this for me, okay? So grab, grab the prop there that I have. Guess who you are in the story. Camper. The camper? You're going to take this bed. I need you to lay it out. Why don't you go right over here? Lay out. Get down. Just kind of lay on the, the pad there. This is what the Bible says in John 5. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time to the pool and stirred the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man, Daniel is a certain man today, was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. How many of you ever have been in a long line? Like a long line. This morning on my way to the office, I was in a really long line of traffic. I was like, what is going on? I finally get around the edge. Sure enough, there was a car upside down in one of the intersections. And it had, when we crossed Chicago Drive, and it was just this big hubbub. Because there's only like two ways out of Jenison, and that's one of them. So I'm sitting there in line. But realize that's nothing compared to the line this guy was in. He's in a line to get into a pool to be healed of whatever disease you had. Just imagine what it would be like to be there. He's in line. I mean, have any of you guys ever gotten in a line where you had to camp out the day before? Anybody? Anybody done that? Oh, I see one hand. You get? Anybody want to admit what they were waiting in line for? Black Friday? All right. You know, like, this, this is that, like, on steroids. He is, he is, this is his, his place every day. He's there trying to keep his place in line. The Bible says there is a multitude of people there, all hoping to be next. So, a certain man who had infirmity for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, Jesus knew how long he'd been waiting. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Isn't that an interesting question? Like he could have said, how long you been here? You know, 
what number are you in line? He, I mean, you would have assumed already he, I assume he wants to be well because he's here. But the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but I am coming, but while I'm coming, another stir, steps down before me. So Jesus asks him, in essence, a yes or no question, right? Do you want to be made well? Grammatically, you can answer positive or negative. I don't. He doesn't go there. He doesn't even answer the question he's been asked. He says, do you want to be made well? He says, I can't. I can't. Some of us are in line. We're waiting. There is something we feel like that we need from God, that we need from our life. And I want to be careful. I, I certainly hope when, when God says, what, what is it that comes out of our mouth? I could never get that. I can never get that promotion. I could never get that. Jesus comes to him and says, in essence, <laughs> he doesn't know it yet, but he's next. He's next. How many of you want to be next? When Jesus showed up, he was next. But he says, I, I depend on someone else. His answer is, I can't because I depend. I can't because I have these needs that aren't being fulfilled. I can't because I'm paralyzed. Now, most of us in this room, we're not physically paralyzed. But you know, there are a lot of different ways to be paralyzed. You can be paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by failure, paralyzed by self-pity, paralyzed by religious condemnation, paralyzed by past abuse, by broken relationships, by other opinions, by other words about you, by what people have said about you, by a need for praise or a need for validation, by criticism. How many of you realize there are a lot of ways to be paralyzed into inaction? Don't let that paralysis be permanent. Don't let that paralysis be permanent. He says, I'm dependent. I need someone else to carry me to the waters because every time I try to get there, someone else beats me to the step and gets in. And he might be next. He's, he, he's close. 38 years he'd been waiting for a healing. And he's close enough that he thinks he might make it, but then someone else beats him because he's dependent on someone else. He's needing someone else. But 
it's time for a shift. Instead of depending on someone else, it was time for him to depend on God. Depend on God. God's hand, not the hand of someone else. We, we have a tendency to find, there are so many different ways to be dependent. We can be dependent on others to be happy. We can be dependent on, on culture to tell us what we should do, what we should think is right, what we should think is wrong, what we should aspire for. We can be dependent on the government to provide. We can be dependent on family. We can be dependent on friends. We can be dependent on our, our job. But we need to be dependent on God. See, the Bible says in John 10, verse 28, it says that nothing can snatch us from his hand. Nothing can snatch us from his hand. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. When we are dependent on God, no one can, can snatch us away. Whatever that paralysis is, whatever it is in your life that has you waiting, don't keep waiting. Say it with me. I'm next. I'm next. Some of us are, are sitting back. We're waiting for something to happen. Isaiah 46 verse 13 says, For I am ready to set things right. And the New Living Translation says it this way. It says, For I am ready to set things right. Not in the distant future, but right now. Right now. I'm ready to save Jerusalem and show my glory to Israel. Jesus is asking for a question. How many of you guys have ever gone to, a, to the, the wrong door at Meijer? Where you walk up and you're expecting it to open and then it doesn't? All right. Well, we know what happened. You walk up to that door. I get a certain distance from that door and it's going to open up. All right. Some of us think we're at the wrong door. Because we're looking at it and the door doesn't open. But the thing is, we still haven't gotten to the mat. So we're standing there. We think it must not be God's will. God doesn't want me to be blessed. God doesn't want me to be healed. God doesn't, I mean, if he did, then the door would have opened. But we're back there behind the point where it opens. We're still paralyzed. We're, we're not moving forward. We haven't taken a step forward yet. And we're just standing there. We're waiting for that door to open. And God is looking down and he's saying, I've provided for that. I've already done it. And we're waiting for the door to open. And he's saying, all you have to do is take that, that next step Get forward. Then what happens when you get to the mat? The door opens. The door opens. Do you guys remember the story? I don't have it pulled up in my notes for the scriptural reference, but in the Old Testament, when they needed to cross the Jordan River and they had the, the entire, uh, well, not just the army, I believe it was the entire 
uh, nation of Israel was trying to, to, to go. They, didn't, they needed a bridge. And God said, send the priests across with the ark. And they start walking towards the river. And the Bible says, nothing happened. Until the priests got ankle deep into the water. They were walking towards that door. And what many of us do is we walk and we get up towards the river's edge. We get to that point and then we stop and we wait to see. Well, God, if you really wanted to bless me, if you really wanted, then, then it would happen. But I guess not. So I'm going to camp out. I'm going to sit still. I'm going to be paralyzed. I'll sit and I'll wait, and I'll wait, and I'll wait, and I'll wait. God is already done what needs to be done. His answer is yes. I love what Jesus did when, when, the, when the paralytic man answered him and said, he says, do you want to be made well? And the paralytic man says, I can't. Jesus just ignored him. How many of you are grateful that sometimes he ignores what we say because if it was up to us, we would dig ourselves in a hole that we could never get out of. I know I, I try to be a pretty positive faith speaking person and I'll catch myself saying some really stupid stuff I'm like oh God don't don't listen to that one I call that one back I curse that Jesus ignored him told him let's go back it says I have no one to put me into the pool this is verse 7 when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was, well, you don't get to get up quite yet. We're going we're gonna to work up to that. He said to do something. He gave him a word. Now, here's what's interesting. Who was stirring the water? An angel. An angel from where? From God. The Pharisees in one occasion said, we think that it's by demon power that he's healing the sick. And Jesus said, no, a house divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, if the demons were over there healing everybody, they would, it wouldn't work. It, that house could not stand. It was God's power that was healing people in that place. Jesus showed up. Do you realize he could have used the system that was already in place to heal him? He could have been like, you know what? You're next, buddy. Everybody else, back. He'd have just said it and they could have been stuck. Could have put him in. Jesus could have just gone up and been like, tell you what. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Stirred the water himself. He could have used the system that was already there. But you know what Jesus chose to do? He chose to use a totally unexpected, out-of-the-box 
That man spent all that time expecting his healing to come from the water. And then it came from an act of obedience to God's word. He was expecting to be healed when someone put him in the water. But instead, Jesus said, stand up. Ezekiel chapter 1 says, stand up, I will speak to you. First, <coughs> excuse me, it's not first Acts, it's just Acts. Acts 2, 14 says, Peter stood up and God spoke through him. He said, stand up. So Jesus comes to him and tells him to do something he couldn't even do. At least he couldn't before that moment. Before that moment, he couldn't. But Jesus said to him, are you ready? Jesus said, stand up. Get up. Now, when he stood up, he left behind the paralysis. He left behind the dependency. I want you guys to, to, to think about yourself in that position. You're not paralyzed by a physical ailment, but some of us are paralyzed by our past. We're paralyzed by fear. We're paralyzed by, by past experiences. We're paralyzed by mentalities. And Jesus said, stand up. And then look what else he said. He says, stand up. Rise, take up your bed. So pick it. Why, why did he say take up his bed? It's not like he needs it anymore. He says, don't leave that there. This is, this is like, this is where he's been. How many of you have ever tried to go on a diet and keep cake in the fridge? You know, it's like, all right, I'm going to stop drinking pop but I'm going to keep a bunch of it in the fridge I'm not going to eat sugars or carbs or whatever it is that you're not that you're avoiding but you're you're making allowance for going back and Jesus says no don't don't have that you know why because you don't live there anymore this is not your place anymore. You don't belong there anymore. You have no more need for that bed. Say it with me. Say, I don't live there anymore. I don't live there anymore. I'm not going to keep something there for my fear. I'm not going to keep something there just in case. In case I want to go back to that mindset that had me paralyzed. It says, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked. This translation says, and that day was the Sabbath. Another translation says, but that day was the Sabbath. So guess what? 
Jesus did what he wasn't supposed to do. He healed that man on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees, get this, the Pharisees have just seen a man who for 38 years couldn't move get up and carry his mat. And you know what they focused on? It's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to carry that mat. Let's look at what they, they said. They said, the Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Of all the things to focus on, they focus on that. Listen, when we get a move from God, the enemy will focus on something dumb. You ever notice David and Goliath? You know that story? That was amazing. When David shows up, his brother comes to him and says, what are you doing here? And who did you leave those sheep with? When, when, the, when the man was sowing seeds, and the Bible says that, that it, was, it was a symbol of God's word being placed in people's heart. And it talked about the weeds that came up and choked God's word. Do you know what? It didn't say, when Jesus explained it to the disciples, he didn't say, and those weeds are representative of very complex demon powers that are named, have complicated Greek names. You know what he said? Those weeds that choked out the word of God in their lives represented the cares of this world. What are the cares of this world? Lunch. How am I going, what am I going to eat? How am I going to pay rent? What am I going to do? The devil's strategy when we are on the verge of receiving something of extreme significance from God is to distract us with the stupid, with the daily, with the normal. He'll, he'll say, oh, ignore the fact that you just got healed. Ignore the fact that you're about to, to defeat Goliath. Ignore the fact that God has something big for you. What about the daily, itty-bitty, insignificant, normal, day-to-day -day stuff? This has been the devil's strategy since time immemorial. And you know what? The saddest thing is it keeps working. It keeps working. God is here. He is there. He showed up. You're next. He says, stand up. Take up your bed and walk. We get up and then the thought comes, I'm walking with my bed on the Sabbath. Oh, the daily routine. Oh, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm supposed to. Am I supposed to be doing it? Am I supposed to be happy when, when I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from? Maybe I should just get depressed again. 
That's, that's the strategy the devil is using. It's the same little things over and over again. It's, it's not the demon with the really long name. He comes at us with something trivial, something daily, something that in reality does not measure up. But if he can get our focus back on that, he knows, he knows that he can win. All we have to do, the devil, I mean, think about Peter when he stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Okay, how many of you think it would be pretty stinking cool to walk on water? Now, if you're walking on water, like, what difference does it make whether there's a wave or not? It's water! Peter... Ask Jesus, if it's you, ask me to walk out there. There were waves the whole time. Peter gets out there knowing that he's going to walk on wavy water. That's what he asked Jesus to invite him to walk on. You follow? It's not like it was calm and then suddenly the waves arrived. No, there was a storm. The Bible says that there there was a storm and that they saw Jesus out there. That they were concerned by the level of the storm. But that they saw him out there. And that some of the disciples thought it was a ghost. But, but Peter recognized it was Jesus. He said, Jesus, if it's you, ask me to walk out onto the water. And Jesus says, come. And so he, seeing the waves, knowing the waves are there, gets out there, starts to walk on water. He is walking on water, people. And then the Bible says, seeing the wind and the waves. He began to doubt. It wasn't a demon with a really long, hard to pronounce name that came and started pulling his foot down. It was the very thing that he had already overcome a moment ago by speaking faith and saying, hey, I, I believe I could walk on that water, those waves, that wind, if you called me. And then he did it. And in the middle of it, he took his focus off of God and he put it on the wind and the waves that he already knew was there. He realized that he, he had already, he'd already conquered that battle. But he went back. How many times, <coughs> excuse me, have we won a battle in the spirit realm but never took the steps forward to claim it? How many of us are laying here healed, wondering, when's it going to happen for me? And God is saying, I did it already. And we're focused on 
You know, I mean, it's been 38 years. I've been, I want to be next. I think the way that God is going to heal me is he's going to send someone to throw me in first. And God says, no, no, I'm not using the system. I'm not doing it the way you thought I did it. I'm just doing it. You're next. I see what you've been through that Jesus says. It says he saw him and knew how long he'd been there. And <coughs> the implication is Jesus was moved with compassion. Can someone throw me a water? <coughs> or you can just listen to me cough. Um, the implication is, thank you. The implication is that Jesus had compassion on him and chose to go and, and, and intervene on his behalf. All right. There are things that we have to do. He said, pick up your mat. Jesus healed him, but he had to stand and pick up his mat. If he had left it there, he'd have had a place to go back to. We don't live in sin, in hopelessness, in failure, in the flesh, in the despair. Turn to your neighbor and say, pick up your mat. Don't remain prepared for relapse. Don't, don't keep the cake in the fridge. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Say it with me. Say, I won't keep cake in the fridge. In the freezer, someone says, oh yeah, she, she's got the better plan. This lady, she knows what she's talking about. She's like, listen, if you leave it in the, in the fridge, it's only tempting for about three days, then it gets nasty. You put it in the freezer, and you have permanent access. Absolutely no cake in the freezer. None. The Pharisees focused on his mat. And they said to him, um, in verse 10, The Jews therefore said to him that was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Did I read that right? Oh, wait, no. Yeah. So they're like, Why are you, why are you carrying your bed around? On the Sabbath, and he's like, well, the guy who just suspended the laws of physics and science, he told me to do this. He said, I'm trusting God. I'm not, I, I'm not going to, to mess with what you're saying. The, the man who healed me said, do this. And then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? And you can almost hear the, the focus. Take up your bed. Who is that man who told you to take up your bed on the Sabbath? Naughty, naughty, naughty. And he says, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't know who had healed him. He turned around to see and there was such a multitude of people that Jesus had already slipped into the crowd, slipped out from the crowd. He, 
I don't know, the, the guy who suspended laws of physics and science, whoever that was, he told me to do this. I'm doing it. And it's interesting that it says afterwards, so at some other moment in time, Jesus found him in the temple. Look at, did he go back? To where he'd been? Did he go back? No. He went forward to the temple, to God's house. He said, God has healed me. I am going forward with him. Jesus found him at the temple, not back where he'd been. And then Jesus said to him, <coughs> excuse me, he said, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. He says, don't go back where you came from. The Bible says that when an evil spirit is cast out, that it leaves. But after a season, it comes back to see if that place is empty, and if it is, it comes back. How many of you remember science class in like fifth grade when they said nature abhors a vacuum? Do you remember? You don't remember that one? Everyone's like, no, I don't remember that. Okay, science class, fifth grade. A vacuum, a space where nothing is, doesn't exist in nature, except for very, very temporarily. How many of you have watched lightning and then counted to see how long till the thunder comes? Okay? Lightning creates a vacuum. The electrical resonance creates a temporary moment when there is no, little to nothing in that space. And the air, when the lightning goes through, it pushes the air away. And when the lightning is gone, which only takes a split second, then the air crashes back together. That's the thunder. But light travels way faster than thunder. We hear, we see it happen, and then we hear the thunder, the sound traveling afterwards. Why? Because nothing can stay empty for very long. It sucks things to it. It draws things in. Spiritually, when we get rid of something in our life, there is an empty space. And God says, fill it. Fill it with God's Word. So many of us, we're, <clears throat> we're like, okay, I'm going to get rid of that thought. I am not going to think about that. I am not going to think about that. I am not going to think about that. I cannot be, I should not be thinking about, I should not be thinking about that. How well is that working for you? Nobody think about elephants. Don't think about their big trunks. Don't think about their big round feet. Don't think about their ropey tail. Don't think about their flappy ears. 
Everybody's thinking about elephants. We can't, we can't avoid something by simply <clears throat> taking it. We, we need to replace it. If we, have, if we have a battle going on in our mind, if you say, you know what, I'm, I'm having trouble with, with, with lust or with pornography or with, with issues, you are not going to win that battle going, don't think about, don't, 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 don't. But you need to replace it with something. If we have <clears throat> fear and we have a habit we're paralyzed maybe by fear. And you, you, you're just, you, you have this, this habit that you have created. A spirit that you have welcomed into your life of just worry, worry, worry. What if, what if, oh my goodness. And, oh, and I don't think this is enough. And, and if I don't at least have $500 in my account, then I, I, I'm sure I'm going to, you know, something bad is going to happen. And then I get $500 in the account. And then, well, I think I need $1,000 in my account. And I think I need $10,000 in my account. And, I think, and nothing just seems to satisfy it. Because no matter what I get, i can always going to feel like I need some more. I'm on fear, 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 fear. You can't just, oh, I'm not going to fear. Don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. No. You've got to get rid of it and replace it with something. My last illustration for tonight would be quicksand. And I think I've used this illustration before. But quicksand, how many of you know what quicksand is? It's like a wet mud that the more you wiggle, the deeper you sink. And in some parts of the world, it's very, very dangerous. People lose their lives. Animals lose their lives. And when someone gets caught, they come and try to help them out. There are stories of people who were stuck in quicksand. And, and, and so people came to help, and they pulled, and they pulled, and they pulled. <clears throat> They attached them to, to horses, to helicopters, to all of this. Some of them were saved. Some of them were dismembered because the, the, the quicksand would not let them go. But today, we know exactly how to get someone out of quicksand. We take a tube in the shape of an L or a J, and we just push that into the quicksand with them. And then we attach an air compressor to that tube or a hose and we shoot air underneath that person's feet. It's kind of like a suction cup when you let the air in. I mean, you pull on it on the window. Have you ever had a suction cup stuck to something and you just can't get it? But then if you get just a little bit of air behind it, all of a sudden, it just comes right off. Same thing. The, you try to pull it out without replacing it with something and that it just holds tight. When we try to get rid of stinking thinking, when we try to get rid of the things that are paralyzing us in our lives without replacing it with the healthy God's word, we're just pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And oh, this is hard work. But when they shoot that air in underneath in the quicksand, then they can pull them out like they were just in a pool. Because that air takes the place. There's no longer a vacuum. And they just pull them right out. I believe that God is speaking to some of us here. 
I don't know what the situation is, what, what has been paralyzing you, what has been keeping you on this side of what God has for you. He has a supernatural breakthrough waiting for you. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and you're thinking that it's all, it, <clears throat> someday if I wait long enough. And God says, take up your bed and walk. Step forward, go and take the cake out of the fridge while you're at it. Bring your bed. You don't live there anymore. You don't need that anymore. Don't make allowance for going back. <clears throat> Burn that bridge and move forward. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray. I pray for every person who is here. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. That you would quicken to us the area where we can apply these biblical principles. Lord, I pray that you would show each one of us what it is that we're holding on to that's keeping us back. What our mat is that we keep leaving there so that we can come back and be comfortable in the place we don't even want to be. I just pray that you will quicken that to us. I pray that your word has inspired us to stand up and move forward. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you feel like this message meant something to me. I want you to stand up. One, two, three. Stand up. God's talking to me. He's put something on my heart. I know what that is. All right, now here's what I want you to do. I want you, on the count of three, to reach down and pick up your mat. I don't know what the mat is, but you do. If you don't, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. What is it? that makes me comfortable with going back to where I don't want to be. I want you to pick that up. One, two, three. Reach down, pick it up. Now you're going to carry that out and you're going to replace it with what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. Now would everyone in the room please stand? <clears throat> if you're here today, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died, you would spend eternity with, with God because your sins are forgiven. I want you to raise your hand. The Bible says, it doesn't say wait and find out. It says know that you have salvation. Everyone who raised their hand knows that they've been forgiven. If you don't know where you stand with God, that can change in the next three minutes. <clears throat> Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead, you will, not might, not could, not should, but will be saved. 
<clears throat> saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates you from God. You see, without his forgiveness, all of us are separated from God by sin. And if we die in that separation, we can't spend eternity with him because we're separated. But if we accept that forgiveness, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, then the Bible says we're saved. We're saved from that sin that separates us. That sin is, is removed. The Bible says it's forgiven. It says it's forgotten. If you want that tonight, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just do it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I thank you that we are all a part of your family. Lord, I just pray that if there is anyone here who has not accepted that forgiveness yet, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work on their heart, that you would inspire them. In Jesus' name, we thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.